Do you know another parent or expecting parent? Are you wondering what can I give them as a gift? Don't give them another onesie. Don't give them a plastic toy or God forbid a toy gun that's just going to end up in the garage. Give them something that matters and what matters the most is protecting their child. What do you love most in the world? Your children. What will you do to protect them? Anything. I sat down with the smartest people I know in the world on matters of child safety, finding missing children, fighting back against predators. And what I learned is so important, powerful, and information so critical. I want you to have it. I want them to have it. Go to CrimeStopsHere.com for a five-part series with action information that you can use to change your life and protect your child. Give that as a gift, not another onesie. Find out how to protect your child when you're out at the mall or the store, the grocery, in the parking lot, at home. Find out about protection regarding babysitters and daycare, even online. I'd rather have that any day of the week than a plastic toy, or God forbid, a toy gun. Join Justice Nation. Go to CrimeStopsHere.com. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Authorities found Joshua Murray dead in a house fire on December 11th. Their home on Janus Street in Iberia is still standing. Miller County Sheriff Louis Gregory tells me the fire was contained to the master bedroom. That's where Joshua was found dead, his body and the bed both heavily damaged by fire. You heard it. Joshua Murray found dead in his bed, not from a heart attack, not from a stroke, but apparently from a house fire. But it's all as it seems. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. To John Limley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, uh, something stinks here. With me to make sense of it, renowned medical examiner, author of American Narcan, and you can find that on Amazon, Dr. William Maroney. Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. Judge, lawyer, anchor, Ashley Wilcott. You can find her at ashleywilcott.com. Back to John Limley with CrimeOnline.com. John, let's start at the beginning. What happened? Well, Nancy, you mentioned that something stinks with this story, and it begins with the smell of smoke at this fatal house fire in Iberia, Missouri. This is right on the edge of the Ozarks. It happened at a residence on Janice Drive just after 1 a.m. on Tuesday, December 11th. When first responders from the Iberia Rural Fire Protection District arrived on the scene, there was already heavy smoke coming from the house. Firefighters entered the building and, as they always do during a blaze, they conducted a search to see if anyone is still inside. It's not long before they did find someone, but it was way too late to save him. The body belonged to a man later identified as Joshua Murray. To Dr. William Maroney joining us, he is a renowned medical examiner and author of American Narcan. Dr. Maroney, how many victims... How many deceased people have you diagnosed, have you studied, have you examined that died after a fire? Probably less than 100, but they're all very, after a fire, in autopsy, they all look the same. There's carbon particles 
in the nostrils and in the esophagus and the lungs. And it's very different than somebody who's had 20 or 30 years of smoking. And the Wait a minute, you just triggered thing, a memory. The other night I was asleep, Dr. Maroney, yeah. and I woke up thinking about singed nares. I just found out nair is a yeah. word beside a hair removal. It's the hair in your nose. And um, what this was was a guy that totally murdered his wife. He set a house fire with accelerant and burned down his mansion. Okay, When the cops and the EMTs pulled up, he was across the street, fully dressed. This happened in the middle of the night. His wife had on her 90. He's fully dressed, belt, wallet, everything, lounging Romanesque in the front store neighbor's yard. And they go, what happened? He gives a whole story. And then he goes, oh, yeah, my wife's in there. I mean, right then I knew he killed her. Right right then when he did that. Uh, but long story short, some of the evidence included singed nasal hairs. Because he let it with accelerant. And when it blew up, it singed the hair in his nose. And he tried to explain that as a backfire with the grill. But nothing else was singed. His arms, his clothes, his hands, nothing except his, his nasal hairs. So I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about that guy. Um, sorry for the diversion, Dr. William Maroney, but back to you. Well, I've, I've had singed nasal hairs myself when I was a, a fireman, and uh, the smell sits with you, but it smells like burning bodies in a house, too. It's a very sensual thing, burning hair, burning skin. You, you have it all together, and when you go to autopsy, it still smells the same. But before people, if people die before the fire in the autopsy, you don't see any sin. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Dr. Maroney, after I tried that case, my car, me, my trial clothes, everything smelled because I would carry the evidence with me everywhere I went so no one would tamper with it. I kept it with me. Everything about me smelled my hair. And it wasn't just like, oh, that smells like somebody burning leaves. It's a funky, dank, burning smell. I can't really describe it. You'd have to smell it. Because I can't really think of yeah. anything to compare it to. But when you're saying that smell, it's, it's I know, like it, I know what you mean. It's between plastic and barbecue. And dirt. Yeah, and dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So when people die because of the fire, it's their, the, the fire injures the body. There's many different things that we see. We can see singed eyebrows. We can see burnt skin or hair on the arms, exposed outside of clothes, shirts. But inside, you know that they were alive in the fire because they've taken in carbonized charcoal particles because there's singed parts of the esophagus. And that's how you know somebody was alive in a fire and they died because of the gas and the superheated air and the damage done to the body. If a body is found in a fire and an autopsy, that's missing, that body was dead. 
before the fire was started. So if you don't find that in his lungs, he did not die of smoke inhalation. That's exactly right. Okay, you know, Ashley Wilcott, judge and lawyer, you can find her at AshleyWilcott.com. You know, you see cases all the time. Have you ever seen a case where something was off and you couldn't really put your finger on it? You didn't know what it was, but something was just wrong. And it turned out that it was. Absolutely. I see that a lot as a judge because these cases come before us and people have uh, versions of what happened and in your gut. And I always say, trust your gut. And it's like, mm, that doesn't sound right. You know, to Joe Scott Morgan, you're the forensics expert, you know, uh, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. There, I did it, Joe Scott. Uh, Joe Scott, let me talk to you a second about crime scenes. You know, there's just nothing like walking onto a fresh crime scene. Well, hopefully that nobody's contaminated and messed up. But when you walk onto a crime scene, it's like you're reading the best book you've ever read. You're watching the best movie you've ever watched. You're taking everything in. There's a heightened sense, or at least with me there is, because everything matters. The light switch, the footprints, the way that the carpet is rubbed one way or the other, the um, or the, the, the curtains, the blinds, is the bed made, is this, is that, is, there, is the stove on, is there food in the sink? I mean, everything matters, every little detail does it smell like coffee? Does it smell like food from last night? Does it smell like booze? Does it smell like um, drugs? Does it smell like a fire? Does it smell like accelerant? Tell me what you would be looking for in an arson scene, a fire like the one where Joshua Murray was found dead in his bed. Because unless he was a smoker, why would he be dead in his bed? And you can tell by the degree of burn where the fire started. For instance, is his bedroom more destroyed than the rest of the house? Like as you get to the, the living room, it's everything intact except smoke damage. But his room is totally burned out. That's how you tell where a fire starts. You go to the worst point, the point of the worst damage in a fire. But tell me what you'd be looking for. Why would this have started in his room? Yeah, that that's the big question with all of these. There are mystery and fire deaths in particular arson cases are particularly difficult. You know how much I hate it when somebody does that? I go, tell me what you're looking for. And you go, that's the question. I know that's the question. I want you to give me the answer. Okay. Here's the answer. Uh, <laughs> what we're going to be looking for, our investigators going to be looking for, you've already you've already kind of ferreted out the fact that it was in the bedroom. Specifically, we're going to go to the area that has the most damage within the bedroom. That's going to be the point of origin many times. Let's say, for instance, that it started in a particular corner and someone used an agent like an accelerant, gasoline, this sort of thing. There's going to be a point where that, the highest concentration of damage will will occur and it'll be the most charred it'll be the most blackened and sometimes sometimes it'll even burn through burn through the wall into the exterior wall so that's one of the things that we're going to be looking for their home on Jamis street in iberia is still standing miller county sheriff louis gregory tells me the fire was contained to the master bedroom that's where joshua was found dead his body and the bed both heavily damaged by fire. The state fire marshal's office determined it was arson. The fire marshal's office uh, had a canine that they done an area sniff of the exact location where they believe the fire started 
and it indicated there was accelerants used. That's right. The state fire marshal's office there in Iberia and the Miller County Sheriff's Department determined an accelerant was used to start the fire in the master bedroom. Joshua, Joshua Murray, was found in the room on the bed. But an autopsy determined that he did not die of smoke inhalation. Let's talk about Joshua Murray for just one moment. We know that he was not a smoker. What type of accelerant could be used? To you, Dr. Maroney, could it be, for instance, um, alcohol? Could it be rubbing alcohol? Could it be acetone, which is found in fingernail polish remover? Could it be shoe polish, which has acetone in it? What, what are the common things you find in a home that would start a fire? The most important thing, the easiest to access thing you could buy that would uh, work is uh, alcohol of a high enough concentration. And uh, things like shoe polish should work, but you, it's, it's thick, it's sticky, it's messy, and you never know if, uh, if it would spread well. You want something that's going to catch a lot of different fabric that you can throw on the walls, that you can throw on the bed sheets, that you can throw on the carpet, because a body really needs to burn at 800 to 1,000 degrees for four or five hours before it's indistinguishable. We really have a lot of people that try to burn bodies that destroy evidence, and they don't know jack about how long it takes to cook at lower temperatures, it takes days. Uh, your your crematorium runs 1,600, and that fuel is is um, liquid propane. It's gas jet fired in a container designed. Once you have a house that's designed to not burn, that's the thing is we build things today to not burn and be flame retardant. The other easier thing would be lighter fluid, from the gas grill or gasoline. But the problem with gasoline is you would have to ask yourself, what the hell is that doing in the bedroom? Can I say hell? Well, I think you did. But here, here's an important clue to me. Remember how I was talking about, and I'm going to throw this to Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert. Joe Scott, this is something that really struck me. When cops go into the home, they find a McDonald's sandwich on the kitchen counter in the home, and they find a McDonald's food bag in the trash. Now, I know that may not seem like anything important, but the family did not go out to McDonald's the night before or that morning. That did not happen. So what is that doing on the kitchen counter? And in and in the trash can. Now, that kind of clue, uh, some people may not even notice it, but to me, that's significant, Joe Scott. Yeah, it can be because anything that runs outside the norm of what normally happens uh, is going to be an indicator that there's something has happened within that, within that environment that has changed something, that somebody has gone outside the realm of their, of their standard behavior relative to their family life and, and, and the life within that home. Well, to John Limley, what did we find out? And, you know, I've been waiting to say this, loving it about McDonald's. Amy, 
actually took her 11-year-old son and their two dogs to the McDonald's drive-thru in Osage Beach. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What time did the wife, Amy Murray, take the children, take the son and the dogs to McDonald's? What time was that? McDonald's video shows 11.48 p.m. when they're in the drive-thru. And what time did the fire start that we can estimate? They think just within minutes of 1 o'clock, 1 a.m. 1 a.m., the fire happens, and she's out at McDonald's around midnight. Um, I, I want to circle back to Dr. William Maroney and Joe Scott Morgan regarding timing, how you can time when a fire started and room for error on either side. But on a common sense level to Ashley Wilcott, judge and lawyer anchor at ashleywilcott.com. Ashley, when I was trying... I started trying more and more arson cases because I became fascinated with trying to prove them. They're very difficult to prove, and I'll tell you why. Number one, you have to convince a jury that a, a, a crime actually happened, that this was no accident. I mean, it can be said it was electrical, it was a cigarette, it was this, it was that, it was the Christmas tree. There's a million reasons you can say a fire started that are innocent, although deadly, reasons for a, 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 fi- a home fire. But... I started thinking through all the, the you know, the, ev- the scientific evidence in that particular arson case where the man killed his wife. And I thought, you know, after I looked through the home, I didn't see any of his suits or dress shirts. My investigator, Ernest, and I started close to the home, and it was a mansion, and we started moving out, and we went to every dry cleaner every dry cleaner and finally we were getting out to about the three to four mile mark we hit pay dirt because this guy a very wealthy businessman in atlanta had taken every single dress shirt and suit to the cleaners two days before the fire broke out every dress shirt every suit he had also then i realized what else is missing from the home We did a search warrant on his office, his warehouse, and found trash bags full of belongings, of family photos of his side of the family, not his wife's, all hidden in his warehouse. We were there till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, sifting through what we were finding. We also found a device where he had been recording his wife, a piano teacher, with her new boyfriend. And I don't blame her for having a boyfriend for Pete's sake. But long story short, it's amazing what common sense evidence you find. And in this case, what's sticking out to me, Ashley, is the dog, the two dogs went that late at night to McDonald's. She got the two dogs and her son out of the house and went to McDonald's. And whoops, a fire starts. Yeah. So, Nancy, that's what I love about our justice system is not only forensics, not only autopsy findings, but the common sense in the investigation. Because I completely agree with you. It is odd, especially at that hour. You have kids. All of us who have kids know at 11 o'clock, we don't typically run to McDonald's and get everything loaded into the car, especially the dogs. That one is a huge red flag for me as to what was she doing getting getting everything that's important except apparently maybe the husband out of the house. Well, this may shed some light on it. Two months after a man's body was found in a burned house in Iberia, his wife is now charged in his death. 
Investigators say Amy Murray's husband was poisoned. The medical examiner determined that Joshua Murray was already dead before that fire even started. Amy Murray is charged with first-degree murder and armed criminal action now. She's in the Miller County Adult Detention Center tonight. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The Boone County Medical Examiner's Office determined Joshua didn't die in the fire. He likely died of poisoning from ethylene glycol, often used as antifreeze. Investigators learned Amy was a nurse at Jefferson City Correctional Center and had a romantic relationship with an inmate. That inmate is behind bars for second-degree murder, and investigators found recorded conversations between Amy and that inmate through the prison's recording system, where she talked about not wanting to be around Joshua and wanting a divorce. She later was heard saying that she could be with this inmate now that Joshua was gone. Okay, you are hearing our friends at KRCGTV, Megan Sanchez. Whoa, what a turn of events. Straight out to Dr. William Maroney. Let me before I get to the jailhouse love affair, uh, his wife, Joshua Murray's wife, Amy had fallen in love and apparently was having sex with, I'll have to clear that up with John Limley, an inmate named Eugene Claypool behind bars for murder. And just for context, he stabbed a 71-year-old man dead who had won the lottery, about $1.6 million. He stabbed him dead. This is who she falls in love with? Like there aren't other men? That's what I always say. Uh, Dr. Maroney, I know that you're not a, a love counselor, but I would say with all the men walking around, they're like buses, a new one comes by every 15 minutes. Why do you have to pick a married one? And in this case, why do you have to pick an inmate behind bars for life on the murder of a 71-year-old man? But that is a whole nother can of worms, Maroney. Let me talk to you about ethyl glycol. Explain. Ethylene glycol is the most common um, type of antifreeze used in vehicles, and it's also used in formulation in uh, some other household cleaners or, or um, automotive products. The toxicity of ethylene glycol is such that in approximately a tenth of a can of Coca-Cola, the size of a can of Coca-Cola, a tenth of that, pure ethylene glycol will put you into a toxic frenzy. The two organs that are damaged the most are the brain and the kidney. And you will go into kidney failure. And the method of toxicity is it's a very small molecule. It's a teeny kind, it's like, like the same size as alcohol, very small. When it gets inside of you, the damage it creates is it creates crystals that do not dissolve and they are razor sharp. They cut and damage functional tissue in the kidneys and you can no longer uh, process toxins, fluids. You go into a strong, fulminant, storm-like kidney failure. And in the brain, they make you just, they make you dizzy.
dizzy, you can't walk, you lose memory on things, you talk much like you're drunk because it's the same size molecule. And the most interesting thing to try to rid the body of ethylene glycol, one of the antidotes is alcohol. If you can use alcohol to suspend ethylene glycol and slowly metabolize it and take it out of the system, um, the fact that it works like that is because the two molecules are so similar. Alcohol toxicity and ethylene glycol toxicity are very similar, except alcohol toxicity takes hours and days and years, and ethylene glycol is almost... Let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, isn't it true that poisoned by antifreeze or ethyl glycol is extremely, extremely painful when you die of that? The answer is it extremely painful because ethylene glycol creates razor sharp crystals in the body and it's like being stabbed by a thousand knives. You know, it just pains me. It's it's one thing and bad enough to fall in love with an inmate on murder of all the people in the world to kill your husband, but to kill him in such a horrible manner. It's really painful. People scream when they have been poisoned in this manner. They vomit. It's horrible, horrible stomach pains as these crystals are attaching to your organs. To John Limley, what can you tell me about this guy that she allegedly fell in love with? It sounds like an eighth grade romance. Yeah, the, as you might imagine, Eugene Claypool was not living in the Jefferson City Correctional Facility because of a parking ticket. He has, as we've noted, had been behind bars for killing a disabled 72-year-old man in 2000. That victim, Donald Hardwick, had made some big headlines for winning a $1.7 million lottery prize in 1998. Uh, on Christmas Day, 2000, Claypool and another man broke into this man's house in search of cash that they believed he had there stored in the house. After Hardwick, who incidentally relied on a walker to get around, woke up and found the men in his home, the other man restrained him while Claypool stabbed him to death. And this is the truly horrific part. They left a Bible on the victim's chest. And when his wife, Edna, got up on Christmas morning, she noticed a broken kitchen window. She went to tell her husband, who slept in a separate room, but that's when she found him dead. Oh, dear Lord in heaven. To Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, author of Blood Beneath My Feet, talk about evidence to find him stabbed dead with a Bible on his chest, and this is the guy she picks to fall in love with? Yeah, you know what they say, the grass is always greener over the septic tank. In this particular case, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what she's thinking. Uh, and, you know, she has this intimate relationship with him in a correctional facility, Nancy, where she is a nurse. Wait, 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 wait. Joseph Scott Morgan, you're so prim and proper an intimate relation. You mean they were doing it mm. behind bars in the jail 
That's classy. Doing what, Nancy? I mean, you know, keep it classy. <laughs> keep it classy, Amy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wait, hold on, hold on. John Lindley, is that right? How in the world is a jail nurse getting to have sex with an inmate? How does that happen? Good question, and it's interesting. I'm not talking about eighth grade health class. I'm talking about strategically, where do you go and not get caught? And it's very interesting that Joe Scott used the term intimate because that's the exact word that police used uh, in the case, that they were having a long-time intimate relationship. And it's so interesting that they chose to do a lot of their communicating back and forth when they weren't being intimate uh, using the Department of Corrections phone system, which is recorded. Idiots! Idiots! To Dr. William Maroney, medical examiner, author of American Narcan, which is awesome, how stupid can they be? Everybody knows calls from CIs are recorded, and she's a nurse, for Pete's sake, at the jail. all you got to say is they do it anywhere they can. They do it in closets. They do it in showers. And when women are turned on by people like this, it's almost inevitably his tattoos. That's what did it. What do you think of that? Okay, I'm not going to comment on that. To Joseph Scott Morgan, (laughs) the question I asked Maroney, and he chose to go off in the direction of closet showers and tattoos, is that all inmate calls are recorded And Limley is telling us that they had this long phone relationship a long time before they made physical contact. Yeah, everything everything that you do in these environments, I've investigated deaths in them, I've worked cases that have emerged out of correctional facilities. Everything that happens within the walls is in fact recorded. And it's interesting that she's a healthcare professional in this environment, uh, Nancy, because she gets specific access to him relative to she could you know, treat him, if you will, in a treatment area, or she could ask for him to be assigned to her specific area as like a worker. So they have, um, let's just say intimate, intimate contact with these individuals. To Dr. William Maroney, Dr. Maroney, um, when you perform an autopsy and you believe the guy has died in a house fire, What leads you to check for crystals on their body organs? Here's what's an important part of that. All autopsies are accompanied with a toxicology panel. Those tox panels are going to show you chemicals and drugs just like ethylene glycol. But as you, maybe this is a little gross, but you slice the kidney and you slice the brain and you examine it on the table and you'll see that it's hemorrhaging. The kidney's hemorrhaging. You won't see as much with the brain. And you'll ask yourself, why is this kidney all macerated? And why does it look like meatballs on the inside? Okay, yeah, you were right. That was gross. Thank you. I can keep that in my my mental imagery all day. In addition to the wife having sex with the inmate in the shower at the jail and the tattoos. Thank you, Dr. Maroney, so much. Now back to and meatballs and meatballs. Yes, thank you, John Limley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. 
okay, bring me forward so I can get out of the shower stall and the tattoos and the meatballs that the dark world Maroney has dragged me into. Limley, what happens now? So how did they put this together? Well, interestingly, those conversations we were talking about revealed a lot of information about what they were hoping for in the future. And that was marriage. This is Amy Murray and Eugene. Marriage? marriage. Uh, they were... He's behind bars for life on murder. Right. And they were even talking about getting an attorney for Claypool so he could be released from prison early. Then, after Josh Murray is dead, Amy started talking very quickly about getting married since her husband of some 15 years was now, and these are her words, out of the picture. Okay, now there's a sentimental woman right now, right there. He's out of the picture. What what was learned from all of their hours and hours of phone calls in the jail, John Limley? Uh, they were uh, essentially plotting to get the husband out of the way so that they could spend the rest of their lives together. You know, to you, Joe Scott Morgan, forensics expert, how hard is it to retrieve those conversations? Oh, I, I don't think that it would be difficult at all, Nancy. Uh, if If the police have this individual under suspicion, he's, you know, he's already subject uh, to control uh, by the by the state correctional facility. And the fact that she is an employee of this place, uh, she she kind of, you don't surrender your rights, but there's a certain level of expectation you have and a certain understanding you have that you're not going to have privacy. And uh, the fact that she engaged in this behavior is amazing to me because they can get such easy access to this. Back to you, John Lindley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. How did the whole thing unfold? So it all starts with the medical examiner. When the medical examiner examines the body of Joshua Murray, he, she finds out that he did not die from smoke inhalation. He was not burned alive. He didn't die from a stroke or a heart attack. They find ethyl glycol crystals attached to his body parts, his, his kidneys. And they know immediately that it was antifreeze poisoning. Then what happens? Well, as they link that with the fire and her cell phone records, which very clearly uh, give a picture of her path that night, they can see that, well, as we pointed out, she's getting the 11-year-old and the two dogs out of the house, uh, which is very odd, uh, very odd to be going at, to McDonald's on a school night near uh, close to midnight, going to that McDonald's. And then she returns just in time to find the house full of smoke, the bedroom on fire. She says uh, to police that she could not get inside the residence because the smoke was too heavy. And uh, also, uh, as uh, we pointed out earlier, those McDonald's video cameras uh, show her at the McDonald's, and the, the timing is just a little too perfect to be purely coincidental. You know, Dr. William Maroney, you have been a witness in so many cases. When they show that McDonald's video of her, the two dogs, the 11-year-old son going through the drive-in, I would want to see that as a juror over and over and over because at that moment she knew her husband was dying. At that moment. He's dying, and it's painful, and it's toxic and trying to cover it up it's just not well thought out fire does not cleanse and destroy the forensic evidence by the when his body went to autopsy 
in the first 10 minutes of dissection, the medical examiner knew that body did not die in a fire based on gross examination. And later on, we take slices of every organ and send them off for microscopic analysis. There's toxicology done. Somebody knew that this was homicide to do the death certificate. To Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. Joe Scott, what I find very peculiar is that the McDonald's bag was in the trash. That tells me before she called police, she went in and actually threw out the McDonald's bag. Because remember, she told cops she couldn't go in because it was so smoky. Yeah, yeah, that that is curious, isn't it? And uh, to Dr. Maroney's point, this guy, if he's not already dead, is languishing in there. And one of the things that I, I really wonder is, is you know, how long down the road had this, how long had she been applying this antifreeze to him? Uh, was it a slow buildup? Was it, did she dose him like with this incredible amount? Because keep in mind, you know, antifreeze is sweet uh, to, to the taste. That, that's why, you know, there's like seven or eight states that have required that that you that an ingredient has to go into it to make it taste bitter so that dogs and cats stay away from it so that there's an indication of what you're taking on this woman uh this picture she's painting here just through the physical evidence really shows that she has a total disregard for this guy uh and that she's lying to the authorities 11 year old boy now left without a dad Mommy is in jail. Ann Murray charged with first-degree murder and the death of her husband, Joshua Murray, age 37. This Missouri prison nurse accused of poisoning and killing her husband with antifreeze to marry her inmate lover who was serving time for murdering a 72-year-old lottery winner. You know, it proves fact is stranger than fiction. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend.